Welcome to this week's Eye of the Swarm podcast with our on-site engineer, Elliot Swear. He's the big sound, Matt Johnson. I'm John Garver, and we, uh, again, another milestone in our listenership last week as I was looking at the numbers here is Frank Pufall blew away the competition as far as listeners go. We had over 80 people who have listened to that one so far. So I, th- I think what we're doing is catching on, Matt. Uh, that's good. I, you know, obviously... Uh, the more the merrier. That's all I'm going to say on that topic. I mean, hopefully people keep uh, listening and keep enjoying what we're doing. That's I, all I can say. I, I, mean, I agree. Maybe eventually they'll pay us for this. But, maybe. Uh, uh, I may- doubt that. Well, I mean, when you and I did high school hockey games, we had some, I know, some loyal listeners. Uh, especially True. one Don Layton of iFan <laughs> Sports Network fame. He uh, he told me straight out. I don't know if he, he might have been joshing me a little bit on this. I don't know if I, he was. I have a hard time believing he sat in his car. Yeah. Or would drive around. He said he used to drive around and listen to the two of us do a game. Even though he knows nothing about hockey. So right. <laughs> I don't know. But he wasn't true. listening for the hockey stuff. He was listening for the strange music references and other banter that was going on. Right, yeah. He was just listening to you and I talk, basically, was what it really was. But uh, I don't know if we've quite gotten to that legendary status yet. <laughs> not in the eyes of Don Layton, but uh, yeah, I mean, things moving in the right direction, obviously. And speaking of right direction, a couple of soccer teams that are unbeaten in conference play. Uh, good things happening for the Yellow Jacket men and women. Yeah, and a little bit of history made along the way, too, And as it pertains to Mr. Eric Watson. We'll talk about that in a second here. But yeah, men's soccer, 9-3-2 and two overall. Now on the season, 5-0 and oh in the UMAC, the rated number eight in the latest United Soccer Coaches North Region Top 10 poll. They've been in that poll now for about the last month, I think. Yeah, I think since we started recording yeah. these, they've, they've been in there. They've won their last two, both of them by 6 nothing scores since we last chatted at you folks. Uh, defeated North Central by the score of 6 nothing last Wednesday. That was a home game against the Rams over at the NBC Spartan Sports Complex. Jack is scoring three times in each half. Eric Watson scoring his eighth goal. We'll talk more about him in a second, by the way. Eighth goal of the season, unassisted at 6-12 to open up the scoring. Then it was Danny Kearns at 14 minutes. Blake Perry, who scored the first of his two goals on the day against the Rams at 17-29. Then Miguel Ocampo on what was a really nice strike. That was one of those goals that went in and nobody quite knew what had happened. Right. Everybody stopped. I was actually standing next to uh, uh, Greg Polakowski was down there, uh, Rich McKenna, and also Lynn Diedrich, the head volleyball coach here at UWS. We were all standing there, and the ball went in and came out. And we all stood there for a second, and then the only one who cheered was Lynn, and she jumped up and said, yeah! <laughs> and then we all went, did that actually score? We were all up in the booth because we were stat in that game, and I'm, I remember just, we were all going, whoa! Yeah. That was a, wow! Yeah, that was a missile. Yeah. Yeah, he, he let go of a missile on that one, but that was his second goal of the season, a 50-38 great, great free kick. And Blake Perry with his ninth of the year at 65-18 from Blake Doye and Felix Blake, and then Sam Whaley Jr., the name of the Ivory Coast getting his second goal of the season. Go Elephants. Go Elephants. Uh, at 80-33 to make it 6 nothing. The Jackets holding a 25-2 edge in shots, 18-2 in shots on goal. Peyton Anderson with two stops to pick up the shutout. And then they followed up with another 6 nothing bludgeoning, this time of the Vikings of Bethany Lutheran on Saturday, October 12th, down in Mankato. UWS scoring four times in the first half and twice in the second. Felix Blick, his second goal of the season at 16-12, got it started. Then Eric Watson, his ninth goal of the season. At 25.09, and then he reached double figures and became the UW Superior's all-time leading scorer on a PK at 36.06. Leading goal scorer. Leading goal scorer. Yep. Yep. Yeah, that's uh, clarify. Yep. Leading goal scorer, scoring his 38th career goal, passing uh, current assistant coach John Bucklew's career total of 37, so congratulations to him. Mm-hmm. Uh, Abel Vado also scored at 38.52 from Scott Wilson. Then Bethy Lutheran conceded an own goal. The dreaded own goal at 56-19 before Doye closed out the scoring himself at 68-07 unassisted. His third goal of the season. Jackets holding an 18-8 edge in shots, 11-2 in shots on goal. Peyton Anderson, two saves a goal to pick up another shutout. He was named UMAC Defensive Player of the Week. Pretty good 
for a guy who uh, spent most of his career uh, backing up Dalton Van Kano and Ulrich Lager. So I say backing up a backup. Yeah, backing up a backup. <laughs> um, Eric Watson named Offensive Player of the Week for the second time this season, third time in his career. You know, the other time he was named um, Offensive Player of the Week back on September 2nd, and the first time in his career was on October 3rd, way back in 2016. So it was freshman year. Yep. So it's been a little while, but I hate the own goal. <laughs> I really do. Yeah, because. I feel like you have to credit it to somebody. I do too. Just yeah. like in hockey, where if it goes off a defender, whoever shot it still gets credit for the goal. Right. Yeah. I mean, I I, I feel you on that one. I don't like own, some of them are true own goals, and some are deflections that take. I just because it touches a guy like on the, the way one in. in the women's match last week. Where yeah. She or, literally kicked it into her own net. Yeah. Exactly. Like that one. You know. I. I those, those I can understand. Uh, you know, we, we talked about the one that Felix Blake unfortunately had earlier in the year. That was a true off his goal. face. Yeah, off his face. Man. <laughs> um, but when it takes a deflection off of somebody, you know, who's trying to stop it, right? That shouldn't be credited as an own goal to me. That should be, you know, okay. So they didn't quite clear it. They cleared it into their own net. But you got to give the per- person who let the shot go the credit for that, right? I mean, that's not like, you know, I mean, obviously they're never trying to score in their own net, but there are there are things that look more purposeful than others, and. I, I, I've never been a big fan of just every time the defender touches before it goes in, it counts as an own goal. Right. It's just it, 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 that should be more of a subjective yep. thing. I right? don't like it. But nobody asked us. So No, exactly. Continue. How about the women? Women's soccer, 4-7-2 and two now overall. Perfect 3-0 in the UMAC. They have two wins under their belt from last week. They defeated North Central 4 nothing and Bethany Lutheran 2-1 last week in their two matches against the Rams on Wednesday. That 4 nothing shutout. UWS scored all four of their goals in the first half. Kenzie Olerking, our favorite four foot eleven midfielder, scoring her first goal of the season on a PK at three at thirty seven to make it one nothing. Then it was Tatum Larnois with her second goal, I think, of her career. Is I think you go back to her freshman year. Yeah, I just she was so excited too. I was really happy for her. I was happy for her too. Yeah, came off a free kick on a nice little feed actually from Anna Schusman. That goal coming at twenty nine at fifty six to make it two nothing. Emma Street, her second goal of the season from Claire Smith at thirty fifty two, and then Schusman with her fifth goal, team leading fifth goal by the way, at thirty seven forty five to close it out. Jackets. How about this? Thirty-three to five in shots. You know, and we were all excited, thinking we were going to have a custard double header that day. I know, because yeah. Because there's the deal with Culver's, where if you, you know, if the Yellow Jackets score five goals in a game, everybody gets a free scoop of custard. The guys get the job done, and when the women go up four nothing in the first, it's like, right, yeah. okay, yeah, this is going to be a double custard day, and then they never scored again. And they had like two or three, and they really had some good really good chances, and they yeah. still couldn't do it. But anyway, they end up winning it. By four nothing count, nineteen to four in shots on goal. By the way, Madison Gudekunz played the first half, had one save. Morgan Philiber came in at halftime and had three stops in the second half. Then at Bethany Lutheran, good ball game between the Yellow Jackets and the Vikings. UWS picking up a two to one win. That was on Saturday, of course. Bethany Lutheran, of course, another own goal. Six forty gave the Yellow Jackets a one nothing lead. Then Bethany Lutheran's Maddie Perry tied it up at thirty nine twenty nine before Emma Street with her third goal, game winner. Unassisted at 66-42 to make the final 2-1. Bethany held a 12-7 edge in shots, 7-6 in shots on goal. Philibert and Gutekunz, again, sharing time and goal. Both of them had three saves in that contest. So, yeah, undefeated week for those two teams. And, Love uh, it. Uh, Cross Country was off, so we don't need to talk don't too much about, about them. them. Yep, but women's he is volleyball. going to volleyball. They were busy. Boy, were they ever. Five <laughs> matches last week for Coach Lynn Diedrich's team. Um, that's, a, that's putting in a week of work. It is. <laughs> Four of them were played actually at the Marty Peterson uh, Invitational down in Oshkosh. We'll talk about that in a second. But they did play a conference match in there as well. They defeated Northland in a three-game sweep that took less than an hour. Pretty efficient. Shorter night. than the warm-up. Yeah, exactly. Was it 53 minutes, I think you said. Wasn't that what it was? It was something like that. Yeah, know. it was something like that. Anyway, it was 25-16, 25-15, 25-11. You can get those kind of things happening in volleyball. Right. 
Uh, that was on Tuesday up in Ashland. UWS held Northland to negative 053 hitting for the match, so Oof. 53. Actually, the Jackets held two teams <laughs> to negative hitting errors. last week. That was the first one. Yeah, that's a lot of errors. Lexi Olchin, the freshman, 10 kills. She hit 500 for the match. Gina Barch had 17 assists. Megan Holtz had 10 more. Bradley Colligan, 12 digs. Peyton Sherbert, 10 digs as well. So the Jackets picking up the conference victory, by the way, in conference play. They're 3-1, and one, I think. Let me look. Are they sitting in third place right now? Yes, I, right? I think so. Yeah. Behind and, and Morris? Yeah, I think that's correct, yeah. Then they uh, went down to uh, Oshkosh to play four matches in two days. Played St. Norbert. They opened up that tournament down there on Friday, October 11th, and fell to the Green Knights in straight sets, 25-23, 25-17, 25-15. The Knights hit 273 for the match, while the Jackets hit just 083. Bradley Colligan, 10 kills, 14 digs. Megan Holes had 14 assists, while Cassie Teff also had 12 helpers as well. Then they followed up on Friday by sweeping Finlandia in another match that was really one-sided. I wonder how quickly this one went. 25-16, 25-8, and 25-12. That was on uh, Friday the 11th. 25-8? Yeah. That wow. was the second set. I should correct myself. It was 25-13 in that third set. Oh, well, that makes the world a difference. Yeah, that makes a ton of difference. <laughs> Jackets hit 278 for the match and held the Lions to negative 088 hitting. Boy. So two teams that they held the negative hitting for the week. Taya Roskowiak had 10 kills. Cassie Teff, 10 kills, 13 assists. Megan Taylor, 16 assists. Elise. Ertl had 12 digs. Then they played the host, or played the host, 9.30 in the morning, by the way, that game, this one. Rise and shine. Yeah, rise and shine nice and early on Saturday against Oshkosh, down at the Gulf Sports Center. Cammy Sled had 11 kills and a four-set loss to the Jackets. They lost 25-19. That was Oshkosh taking the first set, 25-19. Jackets took the second set, 27-25, and then Oshkosh took the next two, 25-19, 25-21. Sled, as I mentioned, 11 kills. Gina Bartsch. 21 assists, Megan Holes, 14 assists. Yana Correa had a good day at Libero, 25 digs. That is a solid day. Yeah. Haley Atwood had 12 digs as well for the Yellow Jackets, and then they closed out that tournament, beating Luther in the dreaded five-set match. UWS hit 232 for the match, while the Norse hit 173. Jackets winning at 23-25, 25-15, 22-25, 25-17, and then, of course, 15-13 in the final set. I think so. the Avengers lost from earlier in the year, too, because they had lost to Luther, I think, at St. Mary's okay. in their tournament, if I remember right. So that's a, a nice win for them to, to take down a team that beat them earlier. Right. So Cammy Sleta, 15 kills. Bradley Colligan, 13 kills, 17 digs. Gina Barge, 10 kills, 26 assists. That's a, one of those numbers that is a little... It's always interesting when you have a setter that has 10 kills <laughs> to go along with 26 assists. That's uh, that's quite the uh, afternoon. Uh, Megan Holes, 19 assists. Yana Correa, 27 digs. So she had 52 digs in two matches. Nicely done. On Saturday. Like that's yep. a busy day. Yeah, and Haley Atwood added 10 more digs for the Yellow Jackets. So that was the week that was. The Yellow Jacket Roundup, if you will. We'll take a break, and we will come back with our special guest, the photographer from the local paper here, the Superior Telegram, Jed Carlson. You're listening to the Eye of the Swarm Podcast. Sports broadcasts on 91.3 FM are made possible in part by Barker's Island Inn of Superior. The Barker's Waterfront Grill offers breakfast, lunch, and dinner overlooking the harbor. More at BarkersIslandInn.com, northern Wisconsin's island getaway. We're back.
back on the Eye of the Swarm podcast. And for the first time, we leave the Yellow Jacket Athletic Department. And our guest today comes to us from the Superior Telegram photographer, Jed Carlson. And a little bit uh, different realm for you being in the radio studio as opposed to I feel like out I shooting be, I feel things. like I should grab my camera and take photos as we're doing this, but... Well, if you can if off. you can keep the shutter quiet, I'd say let's go yeah, for it. Probably not. Probably not. No. But anyway, thanks. that would be interesting at multitasking, though. I, I would be impressed if yeah. you were able if you to could actually be talking to us while shooting. <laughs> that would be really interesting. Well, I don't know if anybody would want to see that. You're probably just getting shots of like soundproofing yeah. that's on the walls and things like that. And we just kind of melt in the background. Yeah, yeah. Essentially, it's, but still, it's okay. It's okay. Nobody really wants to see you guys, right? No. No. Okay. No. <laughs> that's why we're on the radio. That's why, yeah. That's why they listen and they don't look at us. Hopefully, anyway. The, like, the whole face made for radio thing? There you go. There you go. Yeah, you're looking at two of them right here. Yes. Okay. By the way, thanks for joining us. Sure. Uh, we decided to do something a little bit different this week rather than talk to a coach or, or bring in an athlete or anything. But I, I think anybody who's attended a superior sporting event over the last couple of decades probably has seen you at work in in some way shape or form but how you know how long have you been at this racket it's been boy it'll be 19 years in january tail end of january so it's it's been a while there are i was uh i'm shooting kids now of people you know the kids of athletes from back in the day that I was shooting when they were in high school or college. So you're going on, I suppose, round two of the the family tree now, which is mildly weird. I suppose you pull the, the photo out of the archives from 2002, and then you take the, yeah. the photo of the kid in, in 2019. And, yeah. and or even like like my, you know, my kids will be going to school, and, the, you know, some of their buddies are like former Yellow Jackets. Like, right. Like Jay Dardis' son is is one of Henry's friends, and it was like, hey, I, I took pictures of your dad when he played hockey for the Yellow Jackets, and his, you know, the first time you say that, the kids just look at you like, uh-huh. what are you talking about? <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. Okay, well, that's not impressive. So never mind. Never mind. <laughs> you know, it's funny that uh, John, you brought it up that we're kind of venturing technically, and officially outside the realm of Yellow Jacket Athletics as far as staff goes, but I kind of feel like Jed's an honorary staff member. He should be, yeah. Yeah, I mean, because he's been at, I mean, every time I'm at a game even, I'm looking for him to see if he's there. If you had to spitball how many Yellow Jacket sporting events you've covered, wow, where, what, where do you think that number is at? That's a good, I have no idea. I know I've been keeping track this year of all sporting events that I've been to, and I am at... Right now, I'm at 198. Going back to when? Just January 1st. Okay. Um, so, you know, that obviously that's some Spartan stuff. Um, Solon Springs, Northwestern, and and UWS. But it's uh, yeah, it's a lot. There's a lot of stuff, and in the and you got to figure in the summer, there's not very many. Right. Yeah. So if you take three months out of that, right, it gets to be. Quite quite a bit, yeah. Quite a bit of sports at every night, so yeah. I mean, you're almost at one a day, on average. Yeah. Well, yeah, basically yeah, I mean, pretty yeah. close. Yeah. You know, some days two, three. Yep. Today I'll be at two. Um, oh yeah, on the weekends it's it's not crazy to shoot three or four things. Right. Oh, yeah. So, but it's fun. I mean, you know, you're getting you're getting paid to. Basically, go to sporting events. That's so what I always nothing wrong with that. Yeah. I always tell people that, and when we're trying to recruit student workers, it's 
always the the line is you're going to get paid to watch a sporting yeah, event. Yeah, absolutely. What's better than that? Well, and typically you're getting the best seat in the house. Right. You know, where most people are sitting in the stands, I can be under the hoop, behind the goal, whatever. Right. They don't really tell me where I can I can't be on the field, but other than that, I can pretty much do whatever I want. So that makes things a lot easier and it's uh at times it can be a little bit dangerous, but on the same level, it's like you're right into it, so it's it's pretty fun. Ever have equipment ruined? Uh, Speaking yeah. of dangerous, I mean, a l- well, yeah, we've broken some cameras from time to time. Um, I've been hit. I was I I talked to high schools from time to time about some of this stuff. I've been hit in every kind of sporting event you can think of: golf balls, um, pucks, baseball, softball, footballs, football players. Soccer balls, basketballs. There, there isn't one thing that I've covered sporting wise that I haven't been hit in. Now, luckily, I haven't been hurt in all that stuff. So, <laughs> right, I'll take that. But wow. Well, when you immediately said golf balls, I thought, uh, now, see, this is going in a direction that might not be. Well, and it's it's you know you're you're trying to get in decent positions, and you got to remember you're covering high school golf, so not all of golfers from. One through seven are fantastic golfers. And you're at some of these meets where a tee box might be right next to a green. And kids go off and you're sitting in your golf cart and all of a sudden, boom, (laughs) golf balls in your golf cart. Right, yeah. So it's not as weird as you would think. It it sounds odd, but it's it's kind of a... you know, when people get struck, for instance, at the PGA events, it's on a drive that goes awry and it hits some poor fool who's got his back to the action or her back to the action and it hits him on top of the head and they're like, where did that come from? And then yeah. all of a sudden here come the ambulances and everyone says, are you okay? That's when Kai, I picture. Yeah, that, that no, was I've never been, I went to in my mind. I've never been said. like hit in the face or anything okay. of, of that sort. Um, at least with golf I have with other stuff. Okay. Yeah, it's, it can be dangerous, but not really. Whenever I'm on a golf course and I'm <laughs> just there watching it or just attending something, I always make sure that I'm aware of where I am, my surroundings, who's on the tee. Especially if it's a scramble. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, the U- you, you don't exactly get the best golfers in the world playing no. in a scramble. So no, it, and it the, gets it gets even worse as the day goes on. <laughs> I mean, I've 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 attended, of course, UWS athletic alumni golf outings uh, for the last about decade or so, and some of those guys are a little bit uh, haphazard off the tee, shall we say? So. It's fair. Yeah, I, uh, I, w- when I'm on the, when I'm working those kind of events, <laughs> when I was driving around uh, Jade for the, uh, for the official, you know, photography stuff for the a website. Jed protege, yes. a Jed protege. Yep, yep. yep. Um, we were both very aware in the golf cart of where everyone was, where the balls were being struck, and where we were in relation to what's our potential for being struck here. There was a lot of odds being played sure. on that particular day. And so, yeah, that's that's immediately where I went to in my head is yeah. <laughs> making sure that there isn't a ball that has been struck that is <laughs> airborne and you're just not looking for yeah. it. And you've got your camera out and all of a sudden the camera goes, and that's when we know Jed got plinked with a ball. <laughs> yeah. But, <laughs> like, you know. I'm sure some people would find that very amusing, but luckily that has not happened yet. How did it all start for you? Um, well, I was in, played basketball at community college, um, then went on to my four year, went to, uh, Moorhead state at the time. Now it's Minnesota state Moorhead and wasn't totally sure what I wanted to do. And I went and talked to one of the counselors there and they said, well, what do you, what do you like to do? And I said, well, I like sports. Um, 
you know, I, I like photography, blah, blah. And, and they kind of said, well, what about, you know, we have a program in mass communications um, with an emphasis in photojournalism. And I thought, wow, so I could go to games. They'd pay me to be there and I could take pictures of that. Like, that seems like everything I like to do. What a, what a no brainer. <laughs> um, and when I was, when I was growing up, that was kind of my, my thing. My, my mom and dad would give me, um, film all the time. And I had a little camera and we'd, you know, set up the trampoline and people would jump over the top to do like dunks and whatever. Um, I think on a side note, I think it was so my parents could keep tabs on what we were doing when we weren't at their house, which was smart. But that was always kind of my thing I always had the camera with. So when it came time to actually doing that as a career, it was like, oh, yeah, I could I could do that. I suppose people get paid to do that. So that seems like a like a kind of a natural thing. And then so I graduated and this is still my first job out of college. Oh, wow. So. Man, there, there good you go. For you. Yeah, no kidding, right? <laughs> I mean, did, so you started out as like, would you work for the athletic department then at MSU Moorhead? Or no, did th- it was, I graduated in December and started at the Telegram in January. Oh, wow. So it, it's interesting because I, I pictured, I didn't know that that's how it all came about for you. I, I pictured 11 year old Jed Carlson grabbing a Sports Illustrated. And seeing well, that I, I the always incredibly simplistic and beautiful cover photo yep. of whoever yes. Chuck Muncie from the Chargers running yeah. on a touchdown run or whatever it might be, and just going yes. Well, and see that that's was, me. And see that's that's what one of the things we used to do was we'd get Sports Illustrated. You know, I'd have a, I had a subscription, um, and you know you'd get like the the pictures right because you know, like pictures eighty seven yep. yeah. Yeah. Um, which is still my favorite cover. It's the uh, Walter Yost Jr. shot of Michael Jordan where it's from above and he's dunking on like a blue court. Okay. So it's just like him right. from yeah, above I, I know which one you're talking. with the blue background. Right. Anyway, yeah. we used to try and remake that shot all the time, which is not easy to do, especially with a junky 35-millimeter camera. And probably not having Michael Jordan at your disposal. True. Yeah, it didn't, didn't work on the Nerf hoop. Um, <laughs> but... No, we, we did that all the time, and I always had photos up. And once it was very evident of I wasn't going to be the people in the photo, it kind of flipped to I want to be the person taking the photo. Right. So it was a nice way of continuing your sporting career without being an athlete. Well, and there, there's not too many who are more higher, higher profile than Walter Yost. I mean, yeah. that guy has been around a long time. Yep. He's pretty much the preeminent yep. you know, sports photographer of just generation. I mean, and he's been, he's done everything from the swimsuit edition to basically every high profile event you can do. Right. Yep. And I mean, yeah, when you think about some of the, what we would now call timeless images that Sports Illustrated has put out, almost all of them have something to do with him. Mm-hmm. So yeah, not bad. I would say that's a pretty good way to start. Yeah, absolutely. So then first job out of college, did it take you a while to get your feet wet? <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, well, when I first started at the Telegram, it was, we were still on film. So back in those days, it was a go shoot a football game, maybe shoot two rolls because we didn't have a ton of film either. It's not like I was going to a giant newspaper. It was, it was, uh, I mean, we were still six days a week then, but it was. And it was independently owned too. It wasn't part of yep, we were part Forum of, or We were part like of uh, Murphy McGinnis Media. Yep. yep. Um, so we were in with like Ashland, um, 
Nicole Kay. Yep, some of the papers on the range. Um, but I was it, there also. I was at the Ashton Daily Press at the okay. time. So I know yeah. all about it because yep. part of my responsibilities when I was sports writing was also to take photos. Yep. So, so it was. I know all about it. It was a, a different time where you'd come back on a Friday night and you'd run your film, and it was fingers crossed that I have anything that turned out. And apparently before I got there, uh, there wasn't a huge – sports was kind of an afterthought. Um, so when I got hired, they were focused more on the fact that I could shoot sports. Um, so it was – you know, I tried to do do my best in, you know, shooting sports. I thought they were good at the time. Looking back, it was like, these are so terrible. <laughs> these are awful but i didn't have anything to go off of. right, right i mean for yeah. me they were good because i never had to do it before yep um even so much as like you know where i was where i'm from in in minnesota like we have hockey but and you hear that you know obviously minnesota is the state of hockey but i still there's a little bit of protest on well it's the state of hockey for northern minnesota and the twin cities there's a large chunk of the state that doesn't really care. I mean, they they enjoy their hockey, but it's not religion. The, yeah, yeah. I mean, there there are there are more people that go to wrestling meets around some of the small towns where I'm from mm-hmm. that go to hockey games. So interesting. Yeah. So when I came up here, I had to get into the kind of the hockey culture because I I didn't know any hockey rules. I had been to a few games in high school, but I was not prepared for the you know how into hockey people were in this town so i figured that out quickly and now i enjoy it so yeah that, i mean when i started out and i because i was i guess you could have classified me really as half sports writer half sports photographer because okay. that was what we did at the small papers and um i was with you like <laughs> you you would shoot like a roll of film or two rolls and you would hope just one mm-hmm. would be okay yeah. I mean, and you had no idea about focus or anything. And then, of course, you had to worry also that the, the you know, nothing got exposed. Yep. So that you might lose a whole role. That happened not with me, but I saw some coworkers that had that happen. I mean, there was there was all kinds of things. There were now a that, lot. Back in the day, there were a lot of ways you could ruin your film. Yep, exactly. I mean, just any old. I mean, if if, if on a transfer. Yeah, absolutely. In the yep. dark room. Yep. You know, you could lose a whole role if there was just even a little bit of light in there. And it's like you would come out and you look at it and you'd be like, oh, well, that's fun. <laughs> you know, that just made my life a lot more difficult. Yeah. Um, so, you know, the advent of, of digital technology, because when I was still at the newspaper, that's when they started to make the change over. Mm-hmm. And when you could actually see what you had just shot, that was like the coolest thing in the world. Oh, absolutely. I remember thinking that was like, wow, this is so much easier now. I know exactly what I have and I can get a good look at it versus sitting there sweating it out for 45 minutes while the film develops and then having to go look at it. Well, and the other thing too is you could go, you know, if I had to shoot three games in a night... I at least knew I had something that we could work with. So you felt okay leaving a game to go to the next thing right. because you knew you had something, at least. And that 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 in itself saves so much time. I assume that's probably yeah. the single biggest change you've seen, too, from when you started oh, for to sure. today. Is, yep. was the, the move into digital. Yep. And, you know, back back in those days, they... I remember when we got our digital camera, they set it on my desk and said, figure this out. <laughs> yeah, nobody knows and that. And that was because they didn't know. So it was kind of a, you just sort of went out and you'd have to try stuff out yep. while you were on assignment, come back and be like, okay, well, that didn't work, but at least we have 
you know, one photo from it that we can run. And, and it kind of went from there. So, well, and then one of the things that I, and I'm sure that you've also noticed this too. And I, I'm, I'd be shocked if you didn't. One of the things that I figured out right away is that depending on what venue you're in, oh, for sure, it makes such a difference as to how you're going to approach the photo, you know, the photos yep. for that night. Yep. So depending on where the light source is, how good is the light? I mean, th- there were some places where I went and I shot when I was doing games, and I thought the light would be good, and I came back and the film was just so dark. I mean, yep. thank God for Adobe Photoshop because. You know, be, otherwise we wouldn't have been able to use well, half even, of what I was shot. I mean, even here at UWS, I mean, back in the day when the gym used to, when they had like the, the orange, yellow lights, yeah, the orangish yellow lights, yeah, and they had the yellow dividers and everything had like a yellow tone to it. I mean, you'd get back and you'd be looking at your at your at your film, and it was just, oh, this yeah. is awful. You could correct it a little bit, but you also don't want to go overboard because, right, yeah, you know, there's a fine line of manipulating your photos to them not really being your photos. Right. Right. So, yeah. yeah no, I mean, it's just, you know, I, I remember <laughs> thinking, too, because I actually covered a game here, a regional, between uh, South Shore and I think it was Drummond. Came up here for a semifinal game, and uh, that was when the orange and the orange slash yellow lights were going yeah. on at uh, at what <laughs> at the Mertz, and I, I remember thinking, this has got to be a nightmare for somebody to shoot in. Yep. I mean, it, it was, was... It was bad. And we probably didn't do you any favors when we got into that phase, two of... Lights only above the court. Everything else is going to be dark. That was awful. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks a lot for that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You're well, playing under a spotlight. It's all about creating atmosphere, <laughs> Jed. Well, and and you know, even even sometimes where certain jerseys, like you know, every, every couple of years the teams will get new jerseys, right? And some of the jerseys were just awful for photos. Um, for a few years, you'd have to make up for. The bad lighting by having like f- a flash on your camera, right? Yeah. Which you typically try not to do because then you run into like red eye. You run into other problems. But there were a number of years in like the early two thousands where it seemed like every shoe company would have like a reflective surface on their shoe, so you could get a great shot of like you know somebody going up for a dunk and like their feet looked like they were glowing right. because their because their shoes were reflecting the right. light back to the camera. Yep. Right. I mean it was it was ridiculous for a time and they've gotten away from most of that. Right. Well. But it was. Well, I, I, I've looked through some of your old stuff. Yeah. And you can see when we were doing that and when you were using a flash, the shadows that would show yep. up and it was. And sometimes that sometimes that makes for a cool photo. Yeah, it's a, it's most, a cool effect. But most of the time, you don't want that. Right. Yeah. Right. And it, well, and then some of the jerseys, especially in black and white, because you're dealing with different shades of everything from black to white. Mm-hmm. Obviously, in a lot of grays. Some of the jerseys, at least the ones that I used to run into, even covering Northland College back in those days, some of them just kind of melded into the background. Yep. Depending upon what you know, if Northland, because there were there were a couple games Northland wore a gray jersey. I don't know why. It was some kind of special, you know, jerseys that they would wear on a special occasion, like, you know, throwback night or who knows what. But holy cow. Like, I mean, it, the only the only way you could tell that it was actually a jersey and not the background was the outline. Yeah. Because it would be so, like, into the background. And, and thankfully at Ashland before um, too long, they actually switched over to color film. Okay. So we could actually run colors. So that helped, you know, a ton. But in the black and white days, man, that th- those things could really, like – kind of mold in the background, almost like mesh with the background, yeah. and it, it, it just looks strange. Yep. Do you well, actually shoot film anymore at no, all? No. Well, I do, I mean, for fun every once in a while. Um, 
a lot of times it's just to kind of check to see if some of my old cameras still work. Right. Um, but nothing, nothing for the paper. No, I, I knew that, I, but I, um, I just know some photographers still have that allegiance to oh, film. Oh, yeah. I, it, was, it was never a, um, I think it was a, it's a great thing to learn on, um, especially like a fully manual camera where you have to do everything. Mm-hmm. You know, you have to focus, you have to do, uh, change the settings on the cameras. Yep. Um, it's a fantastic way to learn, but. Once you get past the the learning process and and kind of having a a guess of what's going to happen if I do this, what's going to happen if I do that, it's just I mean it, it's it's very slow. And in the sporting world, it's real tough because mm-hmm. it's it is such a slow process of of uh, kind of tinkering with your settings and whatnot. Right. Yeah. Um, but it's it is fun to go back to from time to time. Um, I'll have. You know, some of my students over at the high school run through some, you know, bring in like a really old manual camera and be like, here, imagine shooting with this for a game. And they just kind of look at it like, I don't even, how do you turn this on? It's like, <laughs> well, it, it, it's just on. It's on. Yeah, that it's, is, it's yeah. on right now. Take the lens cap off. It's on. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So. There's no on or off on this thing. I, you know, because I took photography classes in college. Mm-hmm. And one thing I found is like real true professional photographers, and I know a couple in Duluth. They really enjoy film because they like to be able to manipulate it, mm-hmm. and they like to be able to blow up a picture. Because I mean, there's there's a whole process of using film that's completely different from digital. It's not just you plug in a memory card and here's what you got, you know, yeah. what you got with digital. With film, I mean, you can blow it up, and then depending on how much you develop it, and then stop, and then you can, you know, depending on what kind of software you have. I mean, I know guys that are really really dedicated to it. And some of their stuff is really good, but that takes years and years and years and yeah. years and years of practice to be able to get to that point. Yep. And I, I, I admire them for it, but boy, that that's rough duty. If if you've ever watched them or gone into a, like a, a development room with a true professional photographer, the, yeah, yeah, that, that was uh, a lot of fun back when I was in college. I mean, I had a it was, I had the key to the to the um, dark room at Moorhead State, and it was. You could spend all night in there. I mean, it was it was just fun creating something and then see it form right in front of your eyes. Yeah, like exactly. that was very rewarding to do. Um, but again, extremely slow process. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. And just get a Polaroid. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, piece of cake. Those are art. <laughs> <Sure>. <laughs> it's just just as easy as that. <laughs> and those are, I mean, but that wow! Kind of did stuff. we open a vein with a photographer about the Polaroid? <laughs> I've, I've got that's I've got a I've got a Polaroid right now. I just I picked it up from a thrift store a couple days ago. A vintage Polaroid? Yeah. Wow. Yep. Found some film online for it, and wow, that's actually pretty cool, though. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I'm not at all plugged into the photography world. I don't know what's happening in terms of the trends or anything like mm-hmm. that, but. I, there is something to be said for being able to still get film and just, you know, take a bunch of Polaroids and, you know, or, you know, doing like the, the Insta where you just buy a quick camera, you just walk around, you take a bunch of photos, and then you go have them developed. Yep. <laughs> you know what I mean? Well, like, and unfortunately, it, it, the cost of that stuff now has skyrocketed where even on like regular Polaroids, it's like two bucks a print. So, I mean, you don't really want to screw that stuff up either. Right. You know, you, you almost think of it as like a, in your mind, it's kind of like a, oh, that's kind of a kid's thing. 
Yeah, but you wouldn't want your kids doing that because that's going to cost you like 30 bucks in about 10 minutes. Right, yeah. You know, you could blow through a bunch of film and not have anything to show for it. So, and even just a regular like developing of film is a lot more expensive than it used to well, be. Well, oh, there's yeah. no photo finishing places exactly. anymore. Yep. Yeah. You know, you can send the digital stuff to whatever. Walgreens or whatever, yeah. but they're used to be everybody had a photo, photo finishing department, yep. especially the, the big box stores. Yeah. You go to a Kmart or a Target or whatever, but yeah. you, with people not doing it anymore, it's a premium. It is. Yeah. And I mean, most of the people nowadays, I mean, we live in a, of course, we've talked about this before, short attention span world now where everything has to be done right now as fast as possible. And that's what the digital age has brought us, including with, with photos. I mm-hmm. mean, you can just go, I'm just going to upload this to my computer and blah, blah, blah. There it is. I'm ready to go. Maybe tweak a little thing here or, or lighten up or darken something yep. there. But that's it. You know, back in the old days now, especially with the artistic photos, I mean, you had to go through the whole process of, you know, take it out, <laughs> you know, put it on the on the reel, then develop it, and then see what you have. And then, you know, you dip it in the in the, in the stop after, yep. the, after the developer and all this kind of, you know, that's, yeah, like you said, it's a lot more labor intensive and it takes up more time. Mm-hmm. And there just aren't a lot of people, I suppose, that nowadays are, you know, willing to say, yeah, you know, I'm going to go through this whole process and I'm just going to go get some film and I'll put it on the spool and I'll let it develop and then I'm going to come back and da-da-da. You know, it just, people don't want to take the time to do that anymore. Yeah. It's kind of a bummer because I think that some of the coolest stuff that I saw in college in my classes was in that dark room where I saw things getting developed and then yeah. you would just see the image, like I said, just, you know, it'd pop up for you and then you'd stop it and you'd look at it and you'd be like, oh, that was actually pretty slick. Um, but yeah, nowadays with the digital, it's just boom, you know, and for the newspaper business, it's huge because it, it it really oh, yeah. makes you sweat out your deadline a lot less. Well, and, and just the fact of like, you know, you, you can go to um, take the bomb scare on, on Tower Avenue a couple weeks ago. Right. Um, you can get over there, get some shots. You can get that up. Like my first shot I took of that, of the incident, I took on my phone, sent it to my editor. She had it up within five minutes. Right. Of when I got there. Right. I mean, that that's pretty slick. Right. It's not obviously not a great photo. But it just shows you how quickly things can get out now Yeah. Um, compared to back in the day where it was like, well, read about it tomorrow or read about it on Friday when the paper comes out. That was the first thing I thought when we got digital at, at the Daily Press. When the digital camera finally came in, that was the first thing we all said. This is going to really cut down on our amount of like time we have to worry about with deadline now. Yeah. You know, because our, our deadline at, at, the, at the Daily Press was midnight, you know, before I had to go to press. And... I mean, there were times, especially if you're getting out of game at, you know, 10, 10, 30, you got to write a full story and then also get your photo going too. You know, I mean, yeah, I mean, it, it cut, it, it, our producti- productivity went up quite a bit and yep. our efficiency went up quite a bit Yep. because now I don't have to worry about dinking around with the film and then having to go pick one and see, oh my gosh, and then look under the magnifying glass, make sure everybody's in focus and, you know, all the extra stuff that you got to do and then put it through Photoshop. Now I can just put the card in, go, yeah, that one's good. No, 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 there it is. Yeah, yep. exactly. <laughs> yeah. You know, and... So I mean that was my first thought process as well. So I guess I'm just as guilty as anybody else, you know, of the of the thinking always ahead of how much faster can we get it done? Yep. You know, but uh, uh, it, it it is interesting though to look at it though. How I think at a certain level some things have been lost, um, but the the true pros, man, they still stick with that film. I mean they'll do both, at least the ones that I know, but uh, they'll use digital if they're doing it, you know, for somebody else. But when they're just doing it like a nature shot or something, a lot of them still use the film, and they did a big get a big kick out of it, and I can kind of appreciate that. You mentioned earlier 
when you started it was six days a week. Now the Telegram is only two days a week. Mm-hmm. How has that changed things for you? Has it changed things for you? Um, yeah, it, it did for, um, you know, it was unfortunate when it, when it went to that. Uh, it, it made sense. I mean, with the News Tribune being a seven-day-a-week paper, there wasn't, there was a lot of doubling up on stuff, especially from, like, the Associated Press, um, things of that sort. So I understand why it went to that. It's still unfortunate. The, the um, in the past number of years now, now that, you know, the website stepped up more, you know, it's more, it's more of an immediate, people want their news, like, right away type right. thing. Um, I, on some levels... I'm actually more busy now, even though we have less papers, because we don't wait for the paper to come out. If oh, if sure. I if yep. I shoot if I shoot car accident, car accident is going up as fast as I can get it up. Right, right. Yeah. It's not well. Let's wait till Friday when our paper comes out for to start working on this. It's like we need this right now. Um, you know when we're going to. Uh, Dig Pink tonight is at the high school. Um, volleyball versus Dentfeld. So those will be online by 9 o'clock tonight. A lot of times those are on before their game's actually done. Okay. If I right. leave after after two games um, and say they go five, I'll have the stuff up before their game's actually done. Sure. Um, so on that level, you're, you're kind of more busy. I mean, because people are expecting that stuff sooner than later they're not waiting around for your newspaper cycle the news cycle in a sense is now a 24-hour thing oh yeah absolutely so it's it's a i guess the way the the news is delivered has become different um i don't think news itself has really become different but just the way that people are getting it is it a 24-hour cycle for you, too? I mean, do you have, oh, yeah. you've got the bag packed at all yep. times and it's just know right, that it's it could right, be 3 o'clock in the morning it is and right they're going to be like, Jed, well, there's a house on fire, you and, have and to you, go. And you know how it is. You know, anytime, anytime we're doing something, right? Um, it's always the, I'll be there at 3 o'clock, but unless something starts on fire. Right. So there's always the, I guess you're kind of always on call. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's not to say that everybody has to do that, um, but I feel on, like, say, on my side of the bridge, you know, on the Superior side, Douglas County, um, I feel it's my duty to, you know, our readers or, or, well, basically our readers to be kind of looking for news whenever it happens. Um, there is no, at least for me, there is no, Eight, like typical eight-hour shift. Right. It's a, I'll try and do my best to get whatever I can during the day. I might have to take two hours off in the middle of the day to, you know, go grocery shopping or something, but then I'm going to work a game that night. Right. Um, that's not to say that that's how it is everywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, but to me, I want to try and get as much stuff as I can for, for the readers. So I'm kind of always ready if something goes because right. you, you never know. Right. Um, I've been in schools where they've had fires that we've had to go out. So I've been like right to there to cover the stuff. Um, or you're just driving in your car and you see something that it's like, I have to do this right now. You know, that Mm -hmm. kind of a thing. You just, 
you just never know. So it's always, you know, you want to be prepared. Well, I remember last spring, we're having a baseball game, and the police are there searching vehicles. Yes. So you're there taking a picture of yep. a, of a, a picture. Yep. And I remember texting you going, what's going on in the parking lot? Yeah. They like, were doing, oh, boy, look at that. <laughs> yep. They were doing a, a drug sweep of the cars in the parking lot. Right. They had the drug dog, the canines out, yep. the whole deal. Um, and, and you never know. I mean, you just, you don't know what your day is going to, what's going to come of your day. Which is one thing that I actually like. Yeah, I was just going to say, it's right. probably I, one of the cool aspects of the job. Because I think if I had to be, if I was stuck just sort of staying put every day, that would get real, real long for me. Right. So. And again, not just a sports photographer. That's yes. how you started. Yep. I'm going to assume that's how the majority of the community knows you. Probably. Because you're probably in the top five most recognized people in this town because you were at everything. Well. But. Aside, you're not just a sports guy. You're yeah. you're out there shooting fires yep. and refinery explosions. Exactly. Yeah. I was about to bring that one up. Squirrel, <laughs> and squirrels on trees. I mean, squirrels on trees. I yeah. one of my favorite things. Yes. Yes. One of mine too. I always like to give you a hard time about. Oh yeah, I saw the squirrel in the paper yesterday. Yes. <laughs> that must have been a hairy thing though. The refinery when the refinery went up. That must have been. Yeah, a, it was a, a somewhat well, hair you, raising you experience. You had told me about that. You had an interesting perspective about it too because you were. On patrol as they were going door to door to make sure I, people I went evacuated. With, I went with so I went and got my kids right away. Um, made sure that they were taken care of. They went they went down to the lake with their mom. Um, then I as I was driving because obviously they wanted more photos. Um, it was they wanted people out, but of course they when you go to the press conferences, you kind of get a feel of the actual urgency of something. I felt like I was okay. Had a little bit of inside information from people that I know in town. So I had the heads up of like, hey, why don't you give me a call if I really need to get out of town? Got the okay on that from the people who needed to give me the thumbs up. So, I mean, the town was a ghost town. Oh, yeah. I mean, you could drive and not see anyone. I got over by the YMCA and noticed that police officers were going door to door. Jumped out of my truck, knew one of the police officers. I said, hey, can I come with? And he's like, yeah, you'll actually, I need you to write down the numbers of the of the houses we're going to. So we went through, we were going door to door, knocking on doors saying, you know, we'd like you to leave or, you know, it's a, we're going for, um, an evacuation you don't have to go and then we'd have to write down we talked to house you know 101 right they're going to stay but we it, they've been contacted um luckily nothing super came of that but i mean it was uh it was a it was kind of an eerie day oh it was i mean i was actually broadcasting probably had like a nuclear followed kind of feel where it, it, there's yeah. just nothing well, and it was, I mean, there were like bikes in the middle of the road. It was very uneasy. I was, like I said, I was over at Wade Stadium actually broadcasting a UMD baseball game of all things. And we could see it mm-hmm. during the game because Wade Stadium has a wide open view of Superior from there. And out to left field. And I was looking at it and I was almost so distracted by that. that I was almost forgetting to call the game. Yeah. Because it was it was such a jarring picture. And I think that there were guys in the UMD dugout even 
that could see it. I mean, if you're on the third baseline, you don't see it because you're looking the opposite direction. But if you're in the first base dugout at Wade Stadium, which is where UMD's home bench is, you can see exactly what's happening out to left field, yep. and that's where the fire was. Yep. And just these huge, and I mean huge, plumes of black smoke. I'd never seen anything like it. it and was... we were all, I mean, in between innings, we were all checking you know, KBJR and WDIO to find out like what the situation was. Yeah. Well, and I went to pick up my, I went to pick up my son at, uh, at his school. He, he goes to Great Lakes, which is right by the, where the mall is. You could tell the kids that faced the refinery because they were coming out in tears because they were looking directly at it. And I'm sure as a little kid, uh, as, I mean, even as an adult, that's, that was a pretty scary thing to witness. Well, we had a, I mean, I had an eerie experience because I was doing the game with Josh Wallace. He found out that he and his wife and their kids were going to have to evacuate while he was on the air. Oh, wow. So that was a weird experience. And he was like, because I said to him in between, he said, what are you going to do? He said, well, my, my, my mother and father-in-law live in Eau Claire, and I think we'll go down there. But it was, I mean, he was almost in a, he didn't quite know what to do. I mean, his phone was ringing pretty much consistently throughout the game. He was right. getting calls from his parents, and then her parents called, and then... It was, you know, what are we going to do now? So they they were part of the evacuation. They were part of the group that left. And, you know, that was a weird experience for me. I, I had never been through something like that. And yeah. I, to be honest with you, I don't want to have to go through it again. But it was a very surreal experience. It was incredible because we we'd had to evacuate. Yeah. And I remember when it happened, it sounded like a bird hit the window in my office. And I'm, yes. Huh. Okay. And didn't think anything of it. Then I saw something come across on Twitter, and I looked out the window, and whoa! Okay, that doesn't that doesn't look right. And then at lunch, I saw a scroll across the bottom of the screen. If you live in this area, you have to go. And I'm like, oh, I guess I got to go. And I was trying to get a hold of my wife because she was home with a migraine that day. And so I walked, and I'm like, where is your phone? You haven't been answering your phone. And she's like, it's in the other room. Why? I'm like, look out the window. Because we're, <laughs> we're less than a mile from there. Yeah. So she looks out the window and goes, oh, my God. Migraine was gone instantly because you suddenly go into, okay, yeah. what's important to get out of the house mode? And I remember vividly just going up the hill looking in the rearview mirror going, holy cow. Because we were going up to the range to my mom's house. And I called mom and said, hey, we're coming to visit you. And she's like, oh, okay, why? What's going on? And I said, seriously? What are you watching on TV? And it was the day that something with Bill Cosby was going on. She said, oh, I'm watching oh. the Bill Cosby thing. I'm like, oh, my God, turn on a local network. <laughs> said, oh, my. Is that by your house? Yes. <laughs> we are on our way. Well, even I got a phone call from my parents, and they said, are you all right? And I said, yeah, and I should be all right because the, you know, the chemicals they're projecting will go west, not east. But, I mean, I can imagine if you're living even near, like, Hayward, Drummond, Solon Springs, that entire yeah. area, Rice Lake, that, you know, Spooner, just go down the list. Everybody's on pins and needles now because those chemicals travel yep. and it's a big fire yep. and it gets up in the atmosphere and you don't know what's going to happen. So yeah. I'm assuming that they all were also like, we got to get out of here. Yep. And I don't know where we're going to go, but it's got to not be here. Right. Like that was the thought process. Well, and you get, I mean, you get into something like that and you got to try and like tell the story of it. Well, it gets it, it's it's weird. I mean, the story in itself becomes that the fact that there's nobody there, right? Yeah. But also, like, how do you kind of show that there are people still around? So then you're trying to be sensitive on some levels for people that want to stay, but still get the point across that that there are people in town that stayed, right? And the whole time, not knowing like this thing could blow at any second. 
because right. you're just not sure. So, you know, you're going through and you're kind of looking over your shoulder, you know, you're doing the whole deal. And at the same point, you're like, I still got a job to do of trying to tell the story of today. Right. It was, so, was kind of like, a, I suppose, I mean, it's kind of a poor analogy, but it was kind of like our own very own version of like a hurricane evacuation where some people say, well, I'm going to stay. I, w- I would suppose, yeah. Yeah. You know, I mean, on a much smaller scale, obviously, but mm-hmm. it's kind of that same thing. Right. Where you're seeing, like you said, there are, you know, bikes just in the middle of the road, mm-hmm. you know, just that have been completely left. Right. And people have just, you know, literally like dropped everything they were doing and left. Well, and it was the interesting thing to it when you were watching people leave was some people stayed very under control. Like, let's just get out of here. And there were people that were, you would have thought they were in fire, on fire in their cars. I mean, it was driving on the shoulder of the road. We're going over, you know, turn lanes, the whole thing. It was like. Medians, the whole thing. Yeah, it was like, you need, you're going to get into an accident because you are in pure panic mode. Yeah, you're being irrational. I was really surprised at how easy it was to get out. Yeah. The, with the direction we were going, it it wasn't bad. Mm-hmm. It really wasn't, and you know, I maybe added ten minutes. Okay, total. So it, it really wasn't. Where that did bad. you end up going, job? We went to my mom's up okay. on the range. Okay. Yeah, we we got out of there and got got up to her place and just watched it on TV for like yeah. six hours, and all of a sudden it was gone, just like that. Fire was yep. out. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, in that situation with with the chemicals that you're talking about yeah. in a refinery of that size. It's one of those things where you just, you know, this could really turn south in a hurry. Yeah. Yep. I mean, you have an extra explosion, and all of a sudden now you've got a spill of epic proportions, and now you're talking about some serious health risks. And Well, and, and the, I mean, you know, I've been doing this long enough where I know a lot of the firefighters. Yep. I know people that work at the That's refinery. why I said you're, like, one of the top five recognizable well, people in this town. But, you, I mean, you think about, like, those guys that you see all the time, you know, from doing the um, – you know, working at schools, doing doing a lot of that stuff. And it's like, well, this is no joke now. I mean, this yeah. isn't like, you know. This isn't the kindergarten fundraiser. Yeah, this isn't yeah, like, like guy who was burning leaves that got out of control in his backyard. <laughs> this wasn't like that kind of thing where we stand no. around and, you know, it's like, what was this guy thinking? This right, is right. like this life is- and death style of they're driving to it and you get that that weird feeling of like, I don't know if I'm going to see them again. Right. Right. Yeah. And that kind of makes it turn of like, boy, this is, this is a big deal going on. But. Well, yeah. And it's especially dangerous for those guys. Yeah. I mean, those guys that are going in to fight that, I mean, I know they were calling in people from all over the mm-hmm. place to come in and fight it. But I mean, I think there was at one point they actually said that they had to put, like they had to pull out because the fire was too hot. Yeah. Yep. You know, and it was a legitimate danger to the actual firefighters. And like you said, that you get a dose of what they, you know, what we call a quote unquote Real life. Yep. Because you realize that these guys do have a dangerous job. I mean, beyond the, like, you know, the guy that accidentally started the fire, like you said, in his backyard with yeah. the leaves that all of a sudden burned down his shack or whatever. His, and it's just like, well, that was a dumb thing to do. This is different. You, right. know, you get an explosion like that. Now you're seriously, it's not just a whoopsie. This is not a whoopsie. This is one of those where, you, you like you said, you might not see some of these guys again. Yeah. If things go bad. It's scary stuff. It is. But I went down a... I was going to say, this got heavy real quick. A little bit, a little heavy. <laughs> Ooh, okay. But that's part of the job, though, of being a photographer. I thought we were talking about I mean, UWS here. Yeah, What's we're talking about sports, yeah. and all of a sudden <laughs> we're talking life and death. Wow. We won't keep you much longer, so you ready for a few rapid-fire questions before we sure. before we let you go? Sure. All right, Jed Carlson, Superior Telegram. If you're not a photographer, what are you? Uh, probably a teacher. Of? Um, 
Probably photography. Okay. Um, I know it's kind of a cop out, but probably the last about ten years or so, I've been I spend my lunch hour at the high school, um, helping the students over there put together their high school paper. Um, and it's just it's something that I very much enjoy. Um, you get to know a lot of kids that you normally wouldn't see. Um, I like seeing all the athletes and stuff, but you get stuck in, I really only know one population at the school. Right. And this has really opened it up to meeting a lot of different kids that I wouldn't normally get to see. Sure. Um, which I really like. And it's nice because I'm technically not a teacher, but you, you still get to help a lot with things. So I've really come to enjoy that and... Every year when, when it gets summertime and the teachers and the students are both real happy to be done, I just think, ah, oh, what am I going to do for three months now? <laughs> so, yeah, I've really, really gotten a kick out of that. Okay. Breakfast for supper, okay or not okay? Uh, absolutely okay. You're a dedicated Mountain Dew drinker. Is Mellow Yellow a suitable replacement? Never. Don't, don't bring that slew <laughs> to me. No. That is, that is never a... If you go to a restaurant and you you order a Mountain Dew, and they say well, we have Mellow Yellow, say no. <laughs> Pass. But number one, you shouldn't be having your Mountain Dew with your meal. Oh, here we go. Here oh, we go. Here yep. we go with the conversation yep. that we had before we went on air. <laughs> yeah. So it's not a not a suitable replacement. No. no. Okay, we'll we'll leave Doctor Thunder. Uh, no. <laughs> Don't no. Or is get, it Mountain get, Lightning or no, whatever get, they call get out, that? Get out of here with all okay, that. Okay, we'll go. No. It's Mountain Dew. Nothing that's good about Mountain that stuff Dew is or bust. Fifty cents per per can. That's yeah. the only thing that's good about that stuff. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right, Jai? Is that the hard the, hard hard pass? Hard pass on that. Okay. Favorite sports moment you ever covered? Oh, wow, um, that's a good question. Um, I've seen a number of state championships. You know. It's funny because this wasn't it. A lot of times, you basically a birth to the state tournament for most teams that we ever cover is basically a state championship in a smaller form. Sure. Um, it was two thousand. I want. Ooh, I'm not totally sure on the year here. I want to say it was two thousand five, two thousand six. Northwestern went to. I don't even know where they were. I'd have to look at the photos again. Down by three. Kid uh, Jimmy Glazer from Northwestern shoots a shoots a three pointer, gets fouled at the buzzer. They pull everyone off the court. Hits the first one. Hits the second one. Hits the third one to for, to force overtime. Then at the buzzer of overtime hits the three to win the game by one point. It was the singular greatest individual performance I've seen since I've been here. It was amazing to watch that one kid play. Now, it doesn't matter that they, I think they went down and lost by 41 at the state tournament, but who cares? Like, getting to that point was fantastic. It kind of has that Colin Kendall scoring the tying goal. With yeah. a minute and 20 to go in the third period, then scoring the winner in overtime yeah. 23 seconds yep. in. Yep. Which yeah. I did not get to go to that. You did not. Well, it was right after you started. Yeah. It wasn't it was, not long after I hadn't, you started. I hadn't I earned that You didn't, that you didn't earn yet. the trip. Yeah. 
You talk to lovers about that. You should bring that up every time you have lunch with them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What's What's an event that would be like the ultimate for you to cover? Um, you know, it's funny you say that. When I was younger, I would have said like Super Bowls, um, NBA Finals. But now that I'm older and I pay attention more to that stuff, I don't. I don't want to shoot that kind of stuff. It's such a nightmare to get around on the sidelines at the, at those things. Um, everything it takes from parking, getting there, staying, play, like all of that seems like a complete nightmare to me. There are so many photographers right next to each other that everyone is basically getting the same shots. Um, you know, realistically, anything where our teams go to a level that they normally don't go to state championship game state tournament game national championship game um where it's people that i know doing it that means a, a lot more to me to, to to be able to tell those stories right. i mean ultimately like you know when my two boys are in high school if they went to like a state tournament of some kind i think i'd probably have a hard time doing that from the sidelines and not losing my mind doing it right. but like you kind of keep your professionalism a little bit more because you're behind the camera. Um, I th- I think that would be, that's more of a goal now than in the past where you would maybe think like the big time sporting events. Because I, I just think those are so much of a logistical nightmare. Sure. So. Favorite photo you've ever taken? Um... That that's a that's a good question. Um, I have a picture on the. I took it with my cell phone. Um, probably means the all most that to expensive me. equipment. It's well, a cell phone. <laughs> it, it it means the most to me. Uh, the picture of my two kids with my mom right before she passed away in okay. February. Um, it's not. There's nothing technically great about it, um, but just the idea of. The memory of that. Yep. That was the last time they got to see their, their grandma. Okay. Um, it's kind of sappy, but that that's sort of how it turns once you, I think, become a parent. Right. Um, and just even get older. Yep. You know, it's I, I like the, the storytelling part, and I think that for what I try and do at the paper is – give people the opportunity to be to be locally famous for at least a little bit um you think of like kids in high school um college kids you know they're not always going to get to to be the superstar of something but you know if if they get a photo in the paper on a friday at least till that next tuesday it's hopefully kind of a big deal to them um Mm -hmm. and i like to i take it I take it real serious to give that to them. You know, you know what, what, I mean, you think of like your D3 athletes, you think, you know what they, they put in just as much work as some of those D1 kids that who, but you never hear about them. Right. Right. Um, so to give them the opportunity of being, you know, getting a little publicity for maybe their, maybe their four years at school, you know, their one season that they play for the Yellow Jackets, whatever, um, I think it's a, it's a duty for a local newspaper 
to allow that for those athletes. So it's a good answer. I like that. Thanks. Absolutely. Thanks. He's Jed Carlson, the photographer from the Superior Telegram. Thanks for joining us. Get back out there and shoot those squirrels. I took some this morning. (laughs) We'll be back with more of the Eye of the Swarm right after this. Sports broadcasts on 91.3 FM are made possible in part by Donji's East End Tavern, located in the heart of Superior's East End and a proud sponsor of Yellow Jacket Athletics. Ken Mertz and Mertz Rookie Insurance, a full-service agency with more than 35 years of experience offering all lines of personal and commercial insurance. 866-378-4936, online at MertzRookieInsurance.com. Burnix, local distributors of Pepsi and proud supporters of UW-Superior. And by Northwest Outlet, family-owned and operated for more than 60 years, offering a full line of sporting goods, footwear, clothing, and outerwear. 1814 Belknap and Superior or at northwestoutlet.com. We're back on the Eye of the Swarm podcast, and I think I have to clarify, I made a comment right at the end of the last segment with Jed saying, go shoot squirrels. I didn't mean literally go shoot squirrels. Go take pictures of squirrels. And it's a joke that I've had with Jed for probably as long as I've known him where I'll be like, hey, are you going to be at the game here today? And he's like, nah, I've, I've got other things I have to take care of. And I'm like, yeah, I'm sure there's some squirrels in a tree that you need to take a photo of. Because inevitably, a couple times a year when they have to fill space with something, you'll get the, the photo of the squirrel that, that well, he there's nothing, up with. Well, there's nothing wrong with a good nature shot. <laughs> Correct. Right? Yeah, that Correct. always helps so a little bit. Take pictures of squirrels, Jed. Don't shoot squirrels. That's that's what I meant. <laughs> Wanted to get that out before anybody sent me the hate mail about uh, me wanting cruelty to rodents. Oh, Even yeah. Even though there's so many in my yard that... Uh, Save the rodents. So PETA was about to uh, yeah, come after you. Yeah. Yeah. So, well. you know, just wanted to, wanted to clarify the remark on that. But uh, before <laughs> we before we put this podcast to bed, uh, it was a, a light week last week with only a couple of home games. Uh, still a fairly light week this week. We have, we have five at home, but uh, nonetheless, teams are going to be busy. Yeah, the teams are going to be busy. Uh, actually, uh, we talked about men's soccer at the beginning of the podcast, uh, that they're on a roll night, right now, undefeated in the league, 9-3-2 and two overall. They're in action, actually, as we're recording this. They're on the road taking on Crown right now, and 1 p.m. was the opening kickoff down there in St. Bonifacius. Minnesota. They'll be back home on Saturday taking on Minnesota Morris, 3.30 p.m. The schedule now flips. Free chili. Is that what it is? That's what it is, yes. We are uh, doing a little promo for the men's match. They uh, basically free chili for everybody until we're out. So, Oh, wow. Yeah. That might be something. Courtesy of Subway, (laughs) who's a good corporate partner of Yellow Jacket Athletics. They're going to be on board uh, handing out the chili, or we'll be handing out the chili, but... uh, Courtesy of Subway, so it's going to be a, kind of a cool thing for us. Yeah, absolutely. And, and in uh, the way the weather, I'm assuming, is likely going to be, chili is a good thing. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> chili is a good way to describe the weather these days. Uh, it hasn't been a, exactly a balmy... Um, it hasn't been our best fall. Though. No, no. Mm-hmm. Season of fall. But uh, yeah, so they're at Crown right now playing 1 p.m. and then they'll be at home on Saturday against Minnesota Morris. And then they'll be back. I'll be back on the air with them actually next Tuesday, so a week from today, taking on Northwestern. And the schedule flips now. It was the men playing first and the women. Now it's the women will be flipping down to play first on doubleheader, and the men will play second. 
So that game against Northwestern will be at 3.30 p.m., and there will be a pregame show with yours truly starting at about 3.15 or so. So, yeah, it's going to be a busy couple of weeks here, but uh, we're dead now, like, straight on into conference, and then uh, yep. not too long uh, before we start getting into the UMass tournament. season's only a few weeks away. Right, yeah, exactly. You know, so and the playoffs so, beckon. Yeah, yeah, exactly, as the saying goes. Um, as for women's soccer, same basic schedule as the men. A little bit of timing differences, of course, because they're all doubleheaders. They'll be playing at Crown here this Tuesday, 3.30 p.m. on the road. Then they'll be back at home against Morris on Saturday. That'll be a 1 p.m. And then again, next Tuesday, I'll be on again with the pregame shows. They take on Northwestern, the Eagles, defending UMAG Conference Tournament champions, the Eagles. Be coming to NBC Spartan Sports Complex. That'll be a 1 p.m. opening kick. I'll be on with pregame starting at about 12.45, so... Uh, that'll be the week that's coming up for them. So mm-hmm. it's going to be a busy time for them. And like you said, they're 3-0, though, in UMAC and looking good for a possibly even a home playoff game. So yeah. we'll see. Yep, absolutely. Down the road. Men's and women's cross country was off last weekend. They're on the road this weekend, though. Back to it. At the College Challenge Sports Invitational, hosted by UW Oshkosh at the Lake Breeze Golf Club in Winnicott, Wisconsin. Bright and early on Saturday, men, 10.30 a.m. They'll race first, and the women follow up at 11.20. I love these start times for cross country. They're very specific. It's always 11.10, 11.20, 11.25. It's never on the actual can't be, can't hour. be 11 and, and 11.30 or no, yeah, anything exactly. like that. It's yeah. always spread out exactly. Not an hour, 50 minutes. Yep. <laughs> so that's what, they're, that's what they got coming up. And then women's volleyball. I'm with them all week. Uh, they'll Final be, two home matches of the regular season. Yep. Coming up tomorrow, I'll be on the air with them. 7 p.m. Tomorrow being Wednesday, by the way. 7 p.m. against St. Scholastica. I'll so we buckle go. up for a five-setter because yeah, those exactly. two teams always go five. Exactly. And I'll be on with the pregame starting at 640 or so uh, against the Saints. Uh, that'll be the second matchup this season between it's, those two. It's uh, packed the house night. So it's, uh, I saw Scholastica was tweeting about a blue out over hopefully here. Hopefully going to so. be a, a good crowd. And, you know, it's this is a big match. It is. This is a real big match for UMAC standings. It is. And, then, you know, just above and beyond the fact that it's the bridge battle and all that right. kind of stuff. They're, these are the two of the top uh, four teams in the conference. So. Yep. So this is a big one. Yep. There's uh, there's some playoff implications for that one. Again, 7 p.m., the opening serve of that contest. And then Saturday against Bethany Lutheran. It's alumni weekend, by the way, I think, for the women's yes, volleyball it is. team. Yes, it is. They'll be taking on Bethany Lutheran. The Vikings coming to town 3 p.m. I'll be on with the pregame for that one as well on 91.3 FM, 240. The pregame will get underway for that 3 p.m. opening serve. And like I said, I'll be on the air with both those teams. So, so another both busy those week. Matches. Yeah, excuse me. Another busy week. Saturday, we've got uh, soccer and volleyball happening at the same time. So, a little bit of crossover we're there. We have a little bit of crossover, but it's our, really our first one of those all, all a season. And it's. Well, yeah, we're late now. We're past mid October. So, this right. is. And the winter, the winter teams now are practicing. Winter so. teams started practice yesterday. So, it's only, you know, we're only a couple weeks away from the first games there as well. Yeah, all heck is about to break loose. It really is. You yeah. know, it's a sports information nightmare <laughs> when all of a sudden you got all these games happening at the exact same time. But fun time of year, too. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, fun we, time we year talked too. about it. I, I caught your blog, by the way. Oh, and, okay. And uh, that was pretty cool because uh, I, I agree with you. This is my favorite time of the year sports-wise. Yep. Um, not just because the air is nice and cool but and the leaves are changing, and that's great and everything. But now we get into the really the meat of you and I's broadcast schedule right. between you with hockey and me with basketball. This is where it really starts to pick up for us. Yep. So, uh, yeah, and this is where we start to buckle up and look forward. Buckle up is right. <laughs> buckle up is right. So, yeah, it's uh, a lot happening here on campus, a lot happening off campus. So it's a fun time to be part of Yellow Jacket Sports. Indeed it is. He's Elliot Swear. He's our, our engineer, the Big Sound Matt Johnson. I'm John Garver. Thank you very much for tuning us in. 
And until next week, enjoy this edition, or we hope you enjoyed this edition of the Eye of the Swarm podcast. Thank you.